turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'd like to remind you that October the 13th through the 16th, Brother and Mrs. Bill Ricketts will be with us for a revival meeting. We've asked Darla to sing at all the services, and Bill's going to preach. Brother Lloyd will lead us in praising the Lord, if you can get off of your work. And we'll have a great time, 13th through the 16th. That's just about three or four weeks from now. So be much in prayer concerning that meeting. Brother Johnny, thank you for presenting that picture. <clears throat> That's beautiful, wonderful in every way. We're grateful for those who are having fellowships. A week ago, we had the youth in college with a progressive supper, and then the progressive supper for the young adults this week, and the Lydia class like to encourage all of our other Sunday school classes to have pro, uh, fellowship meetings and so on. And let's just get together and have a great time in the Lord. Now, Wednesday night is prayer night and Bible night. Uh, many years ago, Dr. R.G. Lee wrote a book called The Bible and Prayer. And he mentioned in that book, you cannot divide Bible from prayer and prayer from the Bible. Somebody said, well, what do you do if you pray all night? You read Bible part of the time, and you sing part of the time, and you pray part of the time. But the whole thing is prayer. So let's look at this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we begin with verse 20, the last part of verse 20. Ye should, I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. That's a strange statement, isn't it? I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot partake, be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth, or health, or encouragement, or strength. You notice the word wealth is in italics. It is not in the original tongue. And so the point he's making is don't seek to please yourself. Don't seek to build yourself up. Don't seek to say, well, it's nobody else's business what I do. I'll just do whatever I want to do and make it difference how it affects other people. Paul says, don't do that. He said, you cannot partake at the table of the devil. And of course, he's contrasting this with the table of the Lord, with the memorial supper, the communion supper. And he says, when we come together to fellowship at the Lord's supper, we do it with a keen understanding there's a reverent time. Jesus is here. And that bread is the symbol of his broken body. And that cup is the symbol of his shed blood. And we come together with like-mindedness. Now he's saying, just like you do that, you dare not, as believers now, you dare not partake of the devil's table. And the Holy Spirit can speak to your heart about that. The point he's making here, and he goes on to say, all things are lawful for me. I'm, I'm free. I have wonderful freedom in Christ. 
There's a song that we sing, Glorious Freedom, Wonderful Freedom. But look in chapter 8 for just a moment. Back in chapter 8, verse 9. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. So what he's saying is, I'm free. I have great liberty. I can do things. Uh, I'm not saved by being legalistic. I'm not saved because I don't drink or because I don't carouse or because I don't do this or that or the other. Those things are not the key to salvation. I'm saved by grace through faith. And as a saved person, I'm free. I have great liberty. But I dare not use that liberty to be a stumbling block to somebody else. You've heard the story many, many times of the man who had a drink problem. He left home one snowy morning. was going down to the tavern to get some booze. He chomped through the snow and he heard a little voice, Daddy, I'm walking in your footsteps. And his little boy was walking in Daddy's footsteps through the snow. And the Daddy's heart smote him. He turned around and came back. He didn't want his little boy walking in Daddy's footsteps to a tavern. All of us have footsteps. And that's what he's talking about here. Don't let this liberty of yours become a stumbling block. That's where standards come in. A lot of people misunderstand standards. They think, uh, well, you're saying you'll be legalistic. You can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do the other. That isn't true. You know, somebody came to Moody one night, D.L. Moody, said, I don't like you. I don't like the way you preach. You can't do, you can't go do this or you can't do that. You just preach all the time all these things you can't do. And Moody smiled. He said, well, you got it all wrong. He said, I can do those things anytime I want to. What? Well, yeah, he said, I can drink. I can carouse. I can get into sex parties and I can do all kinds of things. I can go out and dance the way of night. But he said, when I met Jesus, Jesus changed my want to. I don't want to do it anymore. Things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. Things I used to sing, I don't sing them anymore. Been a great change since I've been born again because I don't want my liberty to become a stumbling block to somebody else. All right, <clears throat> let's go on. In that same chapter, look down at verse 28. But if any man say unto you, this is offered, this offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Now what he's saying is, he's talking about the Gentiles offering meat to idols. <clears throat> Paul argues there's nothing wrong with the meat. If you want to eat that meat that's offered to idols, you're perfectly free to offer it, to, to do it. But he says, if there's somebody there that would get offended because you eat that meat that's been offered to idols, don't eat it. Don't eat it. He said, therefore, I'll eat no meat while the world stands, if eating meat offend my brother. So he brings into important sway the sin of influence, the importance of influence. Everybody here has an influence. Someone has said, the song of every bird falls into somebody's heart and life. 
Every one of us has an influence on somebody else. And so Paul is saying, if eating meat is offensive to somebody and they think eating that meat that's offered to idols is offensive and hurtful, I'll not eat it. Even though there's nothing wrong with eating meat. Which reminds us there are some things in life that are not really in themselves sin, but we make a sin out of it when we offend somebody else with it. Let the Holy Spirit apply that to your heart. I don't have to list 10 or 15 things. The Spirit of God can show you, speak to you. But remember that principle. That's a very, very powerful principle. I will not eat meat if it offends my brother. You say, well, that sounds sort of selfish. Why should I care if he gets offended? Because the main work we're trying to accomplish is winning people to Jesus. Elsewhere for born. You see, you were saved not as a fire insurance policy against hell. You were saved to save others, to win others, to influence others to Christ. And if you read carefully what Jesus teaches in the Gospels, you read that him that comes after me deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And then he says, where I am, my servant will be. And he that follows me and serves me, him will my father honor. So you and I as believers have a tremendously important responsibility to walk in steps that will lead other people to heaven. All of the, every day, all the time. That's the reason. You know, I know some Christians that curse. I guess they're Christians. They say they are. I know some Christians that talk barnyard language. I think I told you the other day, I was in a, a nursing home the other morning, picking somebody up. And a nurse, a nurse, N-U-R-S-E, a nurse, was back there using barnyard language to other nurses right out loud. It was offensive. It was filthy. I said to her, you think I'm probably wrong. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I was. I said to her, you're a nurse. You're supposed to be helping heal people. I'm surprised you'd talk like that. You're being paid to help people. She just looked at me. You know how you can look at people. Well, she was wrong. And you say, well, it's none of your business. Yes, people are my business. They cuss around me. I ask them not to. Not because I'm better than they are. But because Jesus is right there and they're taking the best, the name of the best friend I have in vain. Well, we need to watch things like that. All right, now let's go on. Look in verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. You think of such a thing as that. Whether you drive a car or you drive a train, or you drive an airplane. Do you think those guys that drew the, drove the airplane into the trade towers were doing it to the glory of God? That what they say, we're doing it to the glory of Allah. That ought to demonstrate to yourself that Allah and Jehovah are not the same. They didn't do that to the glory of Jehovah, God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That was some pagan god, the moon god. 
And I know people don't like for you to talk like that. This is a time of tolerance. Well, you ought to be careful about that. Whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. That doesn't mean just eating and drinking. It says everything we do, we need to do it to the glory of God. If we sing, we sing to the glory of God. If we preach, we preach to the glory of God. If we work at a factory, we work at a factory to the glory of God. God doesn't call everybody to stand behind a pulpit or to sing solos. He calls many people to dig ditches. I have two friends that I really, really appreciate. Many, many friends, but two that are grave diggers. That's the only time I ever see them. Not grave, digging graves. They're both Christians. We have fellowship. Many times when I'm by myself at a cemetery, haven't gone taken anybody with me, I stay there and help them fill the grave. Done that lots and lots of times. And those guys do that to the glory of God. Whatever we do, we do it to the glory of God. And then Paul puts the capstone on that whole section in chapter 11, verse 1. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now that's saying a whole... Paul said, be a follower of me. Was he egotistical in saying that? Was he just bragging and saying, boy, look at me, I'm really something, follow me. No, no. He said, I'm following Christ. And I'm trying to order my footsteps in such a way that I'll not be offense to anybody. If eating meat offend my brother, I'll eat no meat while the world stands. Follow me. I'm following Christ. Now, folks, can we say that? Everyone in this room needs to say that. Be ye follower of me because I'm a follower of Christ. If we would say that, it would change some of our walk, probably change some of our talk, change some of our songs. It'll change some of our schedules. You let the Holy Spirit apply that to your heart. When we say we're too busy to read the Bible, are we really? Or we're too busy to stop and tell somebody about Jesus. Are we really? Paul said when he was writing to the Ephesian Christians, I mentioned this last Sunday morning in the, in the message, I am pure from the blood of all men. For the space of three years, publicly and from house to house, I told people about Jesus. You imagine what happened after the Appian Way, we often talk of the Appian Way and Paul's martyrdom there, but what happened right after that? His head was taken off. Where'd Paul go? Immediately, he said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and the wonderful joy that awaited him in heaven. He had written earlier in 1 Corinthians 15, 500 people saw Jesus at one time. The greater part remain alive, but some are fallen asleep. When he got over to heaven, some of those that had seen Jesus welcomed Paul. See, Paul came as one born out of due season. 
Peter, James, and John, and the others all knew Jesus personally. John was there at the cross. Paul didn't know the Lord. During the first part of his experience in Jerusalem, he hated Jesus. All he heard was what the Jews were saying. Jesus was an imposter until Stephen died. And Stephen said, I see Jesus. And he's standing at the right hand of the Father. And all the rest of that day and the next day and the next day when Paul was getting ready to go to Damascus, I think all he could hear was, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. And he's standing at the right hand of the Father. And one day, just a few days later, he saw the light. He heard the voice. Who are you? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And Saul of Tarsus was never the same again. He saw Jesus. Thirty-five years later, when he met Jesus on the Appian Way, his head gone, he was now in the Lord. I think he heard a great welcome home by Jesus. Now, you and I, keep in mind, Paul said, be a follower of me because I'm a follower of Jesus. Can we say that? We go out of here tonight and we say to our family, we say to our friends, we say at work tomorrow, at school tomorrow, we say, be a follower of me. As teachers, we say that. As students, we say that. As basketball people, we say that. As cheerleaders, we say that. Be a follower of me, for I am a follower of Christ. And your life will be exciting. It will be a joy and a blessing. But it begins at Calvary. It begins by putting your faith in Jesus, receiving him as your Savior. Have you done that? Let's bow together in prayer, please. Our Father, we thank you that Jesus paid it all. He who knew no sin became sin for us, and he died on an old rugged cross that we might be saved. And we thank you that the old rugged cross makes the difference. We pray that someone here tonight who has never been saved will come to Christ that all those who know the Lord and love you will determine in our hearts to say, Lord, I want to be able to say like Paul did, be a follower of me, for I'm a follower of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. 156 is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid. 156. Let's do what God tells us to do. If you can settle matters right where you stand, do that. If you need to come and kneel at the altar, or you need to come and recommit your life to Christ, someone here who is not saved, come to Christ and trust Him as your Savior. Will you come tonight while we sing?